0: Welcome to Tech Mobility Topics. As the saying goes, it's deja vu all over again. <laughs> in this case, it's the nation's railroad. Reliable service has become an issue and the feds are making noise about stepping in. And this is topic C. Let me explain. Let me take you back to 1997 and the Union Pacific Railroad. When they merged with the Southern Pacific Railroad. This is two years after the UP merged with the Chicago Northwestern in 1995. Then they turned around and merged together with Southern Pacific. And it melded two cultures. 53,000 employees, 7,000 locomotives, 155,000 freight cars, and 36,000 miles of railroad routes covering the Western two-thirds in the United States. Guess what happened? Like so many big businesses in America, they thought they could literally impose their will on their new quest, the Southern Pacific. Here's what happened. Most of freight movement in the United States, west of the Mississippi, basically came to a screeching halt across maybe almost all major railroads. The Union Pacific couldn't make it work at first. And as a result, what was happening is the federal laws, which are hours of service, started to kick in. Railroad, Crews that were in sightings hit their hours of service. They can't move. And as those trains went dead, it started backing up. And they had things from Texas to the Midwest to the West Coast all backed up. Nobody was getting their stuff. It was major. Freight service collapsed, stranding Midwestern crops, snarling West Coast ports, and delaying shipments of goods from chemicals to paper. A string of fatal accidents had the federal railroad administration blaming a fundamental breakdown in safety. Guess what? The FRA showed up at the UP's headquarters in Omaha and they dictated some stuff. We got out of it because Congress actually ended up getting involved and forcing the Union Pacific actually to give up partial control and have joint control with the Burlington Northern Santa Fe out of Texas. And it still took a while to work that out. Why am I bringing this up? Because here we go again. Right now, the surface transportation board, the feds, are saying, if a railroad fails to meet minimum service standards, it could be ordered to offer competitors the ability to serve the same customers. The reason why I'm pausing is guess who's at the middle of this? You're right. The, The nation's largest railroad, largest class one, The Union Pacific. Yep. Yep. They're kind of in the middle of this. It's not just them, but it's majorly them. And I'm going to explain some other stuff that uh, the Union is having a problem with. They're calling it reciprocal switching. And it was proposed by the Service Transportation Board. And it's seen as a way to improve efficiency among major freight lines that have struggled to move goods and supplies from farms, factories, and ports particularly during COVID-19. Does this sound familiar? Now you understand the deja vu. Sounds just like what I just said happened in 97. Here we go again. The board's goal is to have the threat of increased competition motivate the railroads to boost their on-time performance. We'd rather you solve it yourself, says the government. I don't see that happening. I really don't. Believe it or not, the bipartisan five-member board voted unanimously in favor of the proposed rule if adopted it would require all six of the nation's class one railroads these are the biggest railroads in the country what i'm talking about the union pacific the burlington northern csx norfolk southern canadian pacific now since they bought the kansas city southern um all these folks would be held to this standard they'd have to maintain uniform data on their on-time performance. When a railroad fails to meet minimum service standards, customers could file complaints and regulators would be empowered to order that it offer competitors the ability to serve the same customers. Um, I can hardly wait to see how that's going to work, particularly out here in the rural areas where you may have one railroad, that's it, which means you're going to have to give Permission to schedule in a competitor's locomotive to go get the load, come across your lines and get back to their home lines to deliver it. Good luck. The railroads already have challenges when their own equipment on their own on their own territory. And yeah, we've been here before, and yes, the Federal Railroad Administration did force the Union Pacific to give some stuff up. That was twenty six years ago. You'd think they'd learn by now. Not necessarily. Now, there are some um, already agreed to switching contracts. And part of that, it's an outgrowth out of the sale of Conrail about 20 years ago. It's a whole nother story. I'm not going to get into it. But it's called Conrail uh, Shared Operating um, Areas. Places where a couple of railroads basically, because you couldn't unwind it or ravel it because of the traffic patterns, they agreed to jointly operate it. So there's some of that, yeah, but that's mainly in the Northeast and in the East, it's not out here in the Midwest and West. The board's action comes after labor and locomotive shortages led to cascading delays and trip cancellations on major freight networks, resulting in everything from delays from shipping goods from American factories to shortage of feed at dairies and poultry plants. Railroads already include similar switching arrangements in contracts with shippers voluntarily and and, uh, the head of the FRA, I'm sorry, surface transportation board said that he doubted industry claims that mandatory switching would lead to congestion or other problems. He's naive, but that's okay. The STB considered a reciprocal switching proposal back in 2016, but the idea lay dormant for years afterward. Debate about whether the STB should use its powers to compel railroads to share facilities took on new life after the administration issued an executive order in 2021, urging federal agencies to take measures to foster economic competition, especially calling on the STB to revive the switching rule. Let me add this. The Federal Railroad Administration wrote a letter recently, like last week to Union Pacific. And it says basically this: the compliance of rolling stock, freight cars, and locomotives on the UP network is poor, and the UP is unwilling or unable to take steps to improve the condition of their equipment. Here's for the total here's the ratio, which scared me. Specifically, the defect ratio of freight cars was just under 20%, and for locomotives, was just over 70%, which meant seven out of every 10 Union Pacific locomotives in service has what they consider some sort of defect as defined by the Federal Railroad Administration. And the railroad just furloughed 94 locomotive craft employees and 44 carmen in response to lower business volumes and the Union Pacific. And the government's a little worried about that. Here's some more current statistics on the Union Pacific. Right now, the Union Pacific employs more than 45,000 people, serves 25,000 customers, and generates annual operating revenue of about $20 billion. Rolling stock includes 8,200 locomotives and more than 74,000 rail cars. And yeah, I'm looking at the letter written specifically to the head of the Union Pacific Railroad, Chief Executive Officer, President, and Executive Vice President of Operations. And I can get into some of the more hairy stuff that the letter talks about, but not this time. We've come to the end of our program. Be sure to join me again right t- right here next time. You've been listening to Tech Mobility Show. The Tech Mobility Show is a copywritten production of Tech Mobility Productions, Incorporated. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Tech Mobility Productions, Incorporated.